0: Why should I be afraid of dying? You no know reason for it. You've got to go sometime Would you want to know if there's a life after death? How could you believe someone who told you? Do you want certainty? Most of us do. Certainty is safe and comfortable. Many people find it in religions, science, and philosophies. Those isms that confirm or deny unequivocally. If someone has certainty, I wouldn't try to convince them otherwise. But I have something to offer those who are uncertain. A myth. It doesn't seem like a great offer at first but let me explain. Myths are not certain. They change and grow, expand and contract, die and get reborn. They are subject to that ineradicable devil known to us as interpretation. Opaque as the Delphic Oracle, in them one man may see heaven while another sees hell. Myths are ambiguous and alive like you and me. So what good does that do us? Well, myths are not certain, but they are quite real. In fact, they happen to us every night. Upon losing consciousness, we suddenly find ourselves in the middle of someone else's drama. Strange that we don't consider this strange. The script for this drama seems to be prepared in real time by nature herself with neurons busily firing away like fingers clacking on a typewriter. A dream, at the very least, is a statement of nature. But regardless of the ultimate identity of this mysterious, unknowable author, the fact remains that every night, seemingly independent of our will, we are bombarded by images, situations, emotions, and tribulations. With our consciousness dimmed, we are forced to enact storylines written in a strange, forgotten language. These bespoke fonts can be as familiar as friends and family, as exotic as aliens and alligators, as mundane as the trash TV you watched before bed, as sublime as the unfiltered glory of divinity. Talking animals, sleeping giants, powerful sorcerers, the fantastic shifting calligraphy of dreams can change mid-sentence while maintaining a sometimes inscrutable coherence of meaning. Of course, meaning is in the eyes and ears of the beholder. But we also mustn't make the mistake of assuming a foreign language is meaningless simply because we didn't understand it. Moreover, Even for those perhaps rightly skeptical of the, quote, meaning of dreams and inner phenomena, it must be admitted that they often force meaning upon us, whether we like it or not. Most of us at some point or another have awoken at the darkest hour of night, heart-pounding for fear of what we had just experienced. We then, in an act of modern apotropaic magic known as rationalization, Tell ourselves that it wasn't real. Didn't happen. In some sense, that's correct. Our fear wasn't based on anything physically real. But there is a price to be paid for telling ourselves half truths. Life is only half full. Or should I say half empty? By estimation, we spend about eight years of our lives in dreams. With this in mind, two people could live to be the exact same age but one may have lived longer. Why should we grant any validity to subjective nonsense? There is an inconvenient fact lurking beneath all of this. Dreams are objective. They happen to us, without our consent or choosing. Dreams have us, and not the other way around. Granted, we may influence them through our intentions, outlooks, and the images we consume. But our egos are not the creators of dreams, nor the meanings within them. Even in lucid dreams, where we have a godlike control over our surroundings and abilities, it seems as though there is a limit to our power, something we come up against. Whatever that something is, natural or supernatural, physical or metaphysical, the fact remains that it appears autonomous. Something that is autonomous and makes meaning perhaps should be considered to be alive in its own right, as if we were to perform some kind of inner Turing test on ourselves. Considered in this light, perhaps we can view the statements, opinions, and insinuations of the psyche objectively, since they happen objectively to us. Needless to say, this is not objective in the way we prefer one event that is confirmable and replicable by multiple individuals. But it would be a mistake to say that they do not occur simply because they don't meet that criteria. Nature can still be creative, even if only a single person is permitted to observe it within themselves. To partake in this requires the utmost humility. Just as before the wilderness of nature, we must be humble, lest we wish to be humbled. This is where that pesky devil called interpretation enters the picture. We've all seen the catastrophic results of incorrect interpretations of inner phenomena, self-proclaimed prophets leading their cult followings straight to disaster. Individual claims on absolute truth tend not to end well. To aid us in this dangerous task, we can draw on the cultural and religious productions of mankind for reference in amplifying the possible meanings behind a particular image. To attempt this would prove impossibly nebulous and subjective were it not for the presence of general tendencies and meaningful patterns in the human psyche, albeit with cultural variations of form and emphasis, as well as personal, individual associations. To pick up again the previous metaphor, there are thousands of ways to write a single word in the language of myth and symbolism. So what does all of this have to do with the question of life after death? If the objective psyche makes statements on its own accord, and we learn to better understand its obscure and ancient way of speaking and images, perhaps we can each answer that question individually based on our inner experiences to build our own personal myth, drawn from evidence only we ourselves are privy to. There will be no ultimate proof valid for everyone, but each of us may find our own proof within. In addition to dreams, myths, and religious ideas, the imagery of near-death experiences will be especially useful in deciphering the symbolism surrounding the mystery of death. The production of images and NDEs seems to share the same objective basis as those of dreams and visions, albeit on an apparently higher transcendental level. They happen autonomously to the individual, organized by an unconscious factor which dresses universal collective motifs in personal and cultural clothes. As alluded to above, NDEs are only proof of life after death for those who have them. But by examining their imagery and expanding our symbolic vocabulary, while simultaneously grounding these transcendental symbols in concrete examples from across human culture, we may begin to decipher the myths we live every night. Perhaps an example will help illustrate what I mean by this. This is the dream of a dying man, as recorded by Marie-Louise von Franz in her book On Dreams and Death. I see an old gnarled tree high up on a steep bluff. It is only half-rooted in the earth, the remainder of the roots reaching into the empty air. Then it becomes separated from the earth altogether, loses its support and falls. My heart misses a beat. But then something wonderful happens. The tree floats. It does not fall. It floats. Where to? Into the sea? I do not know. If you or I had this dream, would we take its meaning seriously? The absurd outlandishness of dreams often predisposes us towards reflexively dismissing them. But perhaps if we took the psyche seriously and spoke its language, we could each find our own answer for life's deepest question. That will be the goal of this podcast. I understand if this sounds far-fetched or crazy, and if you struggle to take it seriously. I only ask that we take ourselves seriously. This is Decoding Death. Okay, so I hope you'll forgive me for waxing poetic there, but I just wanted to write something to try to Capture this new direction that I'm going with for this podcast. As you all have noticed, the name is different. It is no longer the Sam Reed's Near Death Experiences podcast, but it is the Decoding Death podcast. And this reflects a change that has come about quite naturally over the course of since I've been doing this show. Uh, When I started out, I just wanted to read people's experiences. There were all of these NDEs on the internet, on uh, particularly the nderf.org website that uh, were fascinating to me, and there weren't a whole lot of great ways to, I guess, listen to those. You kind of had to read them. and So it was almost started as a sort of almost utilitarian sort of thing, just so I could uh, I hear them instead of having to read them, and I figured others might like that as well. But over the course of the show, uh, over the years of doing it, my focus and the show itself became quite different, where I began just reading the story and just trying to make little comments here and there, and trying to understand what people see at the brink of death. I naturally found certain similarities and differences and a means of being able to, uh, I guess, analyze what people saw, the images that they saw. And that came quite naturally in the form of Jungian psychology and using certain analytical methods of, that would be used to, let's say, interpret a dream Ended up working quite well in the context of a near death experience. Although, obviously, I don't know any of the personal details of the individual who has them. But it also tied in quite nicely with one of my main focuses from the very beginning of the show, which was to try to look at how near death experiences appear in different cultures. Now, most of the ones that we have gone through have been from sort of a Judeo-Christian-Western context. But every now and then we were able to bring in some NDEs from different cultures and compare and contrast and see what was similar, what was different. And so the Jungian sort of analytical method was very helpful with that as well. And I found that as time went on, it was, there was so much more depth in the material than I had originally gotten into before. And so, slowly, uh, bit by bit, that sort of became my focus. And so, I felt like it might be appropriate to change the title of the podcast, because I've kind of gone far beyond just reading near-death experiences. And so, I chose the title Decoding Death. and. I'm still going to be bringing in a lot of material from near-death experiences, but I think what I'll end up doing is instead of just focusing on one person's NDE, I think I'll try to find one image or one symbol from multiple NDEs and focus on that. And so with each episode, I might read you know, several uh, near-death experiences. In trying to substantiate a a particular image, like let's say a tunnel or a a landscape or a city or something, I could do a whole episode on that. And as I mentioned in my opening sort of essay thing, uh, the whole purpose of this is to try to make us more familiar with this kind of thinking. And as I mentioned in that essay, to to give us the tools to be able to see the, I don't know, the proof of life after death in our own experiences, in our own dreams, or whatever inner phenomena we happen to have. Because as I said, there is, it's not coming from our egos, It's not we're not making it up, it happens to us, and, and that could be the basis for each of us to form our own myth. About what happens after we die, because if you have listened to past episodes, you are probably well aware that everybody sees something different. There's no two that are exactly alike. While many will have similar figures and similar forms and uh, sort of similar situations, it's it's not exactly the same. And so that was the that was sort of the big I don't know issue that I had to had to try and make sense of, and getting into the work of Jung really helped with that. And so as this podcast continues in this somewhat new form, I think it'll be quite similar to the past four episodes that I did before the, changing the name with Melanie's Near-Death Experience, where I went very much in depth into particular images and symbols in her experience. But having that depth, I think, can be very useful for us to look within ourselves and, and see what's there. I'd also like to try to weave in more anthropological study into this podcast of what the particular religious and afterlife beliefs are of various cultures around the world. I mean, we kind of do that already, but... I'd like to place a greater emphasis on that. And not only because it's something I've always been fascinated in, but I think I really understand now what that can mean for us and what that can mean uh, for perhaps our own beliefs about life after death. For a while, while I was studying anthropology in college, it was kind of hard to see what it had to do with me like learning about all these different cultures around the world they're all so different and they express you know certain art forms and cultural forms and ways of living all so differently although there are things that that are in common and so i i didn't understand beyond the sense of common humanity sort of what what connection i had with it but now having studied Jung and, and thinking about symbolism I think that's a little more clear for me. It's that certain symbolic forms that are expressed by people across the world as different as they are can, can appear in my own experience and having that vocabulary of all the different forms a particular symbol or image can take and all of the mythology surrounding it can help me to better understand myself if I were to come across it in a dream or something else or a near-death experience. And so that's something that I'd like to bring in more often in connection with this show and its focus of, of religious and cultural ideas about the afterlife, what different people believe, because hopefully that will make us more symbolically literate, to where each of us could better recognize the answer to the question of life after death, if it were presented to us in some inner phenomena. So this has been a very interesting journey uh, since I started this podcast a couple years ago, and all of the previous episodes will continue to be available in the uh, library of the podcast, and for those of you who perhaps miss the simpler days, let's say, of the podcast of me just reading NDEs, I want to recommend. Uh, there are several great podcasts out there that do exactly that. For instance, uh, my friend John, who hosts the NDE podcast, does an amazing job of reading and exploring near-death experiences, and. Uh, yeah, I highly recommend you go check out his podcast and similar ones, because while I enjoyed that, I don't think I am <laughs> as good at it as he is. He's got an amazing voice for reading them, and over time, I've just been pulled in this sort of weird direction of of trying to to look at the symbolism of, of the images people see and, and the connections that they have to our shared humanity. And so I've I've definitely stepped beyond the the purview of just reading an NDE into this other sort of thing. And and that has been quite meaningful for me and trying to to understand it. And I hope it's been meaningful for you all as well. And so I look forward to releasing more episodes now under the name of Decoding Death and I will be updating all of my former I don't know social media sites and uh, Facebook and my email address and website to reflect the new name. Okay. So with that I think I will wrap up this episode and I just wanted to finish by saying thank you. I'm sure there are some of you all that have been listening since my very first episode as Sam reads near-death experiences, and uh, hopefully continuing on as decoding death. And uh, all I can say is thanks. It's it's been it's been amazing, and I'm so excited to continue. So, till next time. Hope you all stay healthy and safe and well.